scary girl. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. <coughs> Sick episode. Oh, are you also, you did say your throat's yeah. a little scratchy. It's more like head allergy shit with me today. Like, I just feel, ugh. Yeah. Um, I have strep throat. Yep. She sure does. <laughs> For the second time this year. Um, but I should no longer be contagious at this point because I've been on antibiotics. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. We had, uh, there was a whole thing. So last night we had the award ceremony for this year's 48-hour film project here in Philadelphia. And um, there wasn't like a big formal event uh, like we had anticipated. But Not always. That's been the case for the past like two years. The first year we did it, there was a big award ceremony and it was really cool. And we won something our first year. And the last two years, there hasn't been a ceremony, but we didn't win anything. So we weren't too like brokenhearted about it. (laughs) This year, they uh, live streamed and um, announced the winners uh, and some nominees. And we won best score this year, which was very exciting. I wrote a rap the first time in my life and then we won for our music so it was really it was really cool it was called prove yourself the feminine story and you can find it on youtube uh our award-winning film that's what we were filming like a couple weeks ago when we were talking about that so that was neat uh and so i came here last night because we had like a party for the award ceremony which we all watched together um we had like a little red carpet situation here at mary angela's house and i couldn't share any smoking materials um with guests outside the party or (laughs) uh even a lot of hugs and that was sad because i like hugs um but i didn't want to get anybody sick she's a big old sick sick sicky but i don't have to have a head cold to be a sick fuck we all know (laughs) um but i've got my throat coat tea here and some honey and some water and i stayed in bed most of the day yesterday and today instead of setting up my new apartment which, hey, we're in different living spaces now. We are. We, we are. Had, we had a big week last week. So we didn't actually record last week. Even though we still had an episode, we recorded two episodes the week before because we knew we were going to be moving and we did not want to try and record in the middle of all that. And I think they know because I feel like we mentioned it a we few talked times about in it. the second we episode. Did, we did. It was a doubleheader. Yeah, so tonight is our first episode recording after not being roomies anymore. But we're still here. You still get two Christmases. Hashtag two Christmases. Double the presents, double the fun, double the households. So yeah, we're just living in two different neighborhoods here in Philadelphia. So we're no longer in the Germantown area. Do you mind if you're I say not. Um Yeah, I feel like it's big enough. Like each of our areas that we're in, it's like big enough to where... I don't know. Are you afraid of people finding you? I mean, it's 2018. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I live in Point Breeze, uh, <laughs> which is kind of South Philly. So, but it's a lot closer to my day job, uh, which my commute used to be like 50 minutes and now it's like 20 minutes. So it's bomb. Yeah, it bomb.com. Is. It is so nice. And I live with another person named Stephanie, who none of us have met yet. So, our running theory is that she doesn't live with another person. She's just referring to herself, which twice. I'm like, I wish I could afford $1,300 <laughs> a month on my own, but. I definitely can't, so there's absolutely another person there. There's also, still working on this, but probably, maybe, definitely a ghost. Yeah, Sarah really wants my apartment to be haunted. Listen, we were over there on Saturday. We were hanging out, having fun, playing some games. 
And I swear to God, a door closed upstairs. Yes, and I'm not denying that a door closed upstairs. Yes, that's true. Um, The reality of the situation is that we have central air in my new place, which if you're in the South, like, you're like, big deal. Like, I know. I had central air growing up in the South, too. But in the North, everything is old as fuck, okay? And, like, finding central air up here is, like... It's a fucking it's a needle in the haystack. Uh, like, like it is right. You it's a selling extra. point. <laughs> like it's it was a big selling point. Um, so people use like window units and like you know radiate. They have radiators for heat. I think yeah. uh, it was Christina maybe who visited me one time up north and was like, "What's that?" And I was like, "That's a radiator." Like I don't think I ever that's saw how they keep a radiator warm up here until I came up here either. Yeah. I didn't either. Like, I, yeah, I moved into my apartment in New York and I was like, oh, I can't put things over here because this is going to get really hot. (laughs) That was the bigger frustration for me. Like, not even like, oh, this is my heat source. It was more like, great, this is a whole corner of the room I can't even fucking use because I can't put anything on this because it'll burn. Right. I was like, well, that sucks. But anyway, so my not haunted apartment. It's haunted. So we have central air. Well, the only room in our house that doesn't have it is the uh, the bathroom, which is upstairs. So we usually leave that door closed or cracked, and it's got um, a window in there. And sometimes, like, a good gust of wind will create a vacuum that pulls that door closed, and that's what that was. So I'm just like, yeah, a door closed. And Sarah's like, she just she wants it to be haunted so bad. And I get it because it's not your house. <laughs> And when I was like, you know, maybe your answer is like, no, not my place. I'm like, no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's it's not a ghost. It's just science. Tell us what you think in the comments. Write us an email. Tell us what you think. Also, tell us who had a more fucked up story in the last two weeks. Was oh. it the Fritzel case or was it the Gary Heidnick case? Either way, it sucked for all the women involved. For all the women involved. I agree. Uh, every woman was put into a horrible it's like position. All seven of them. Because there were six in mine and, and one in yours. Well, I was, there's the but one. But only two died out sure. of all seven. So the ratio is not that sure. bad. Well, I was like, well, for me, there's the woman and then her seven children, uh, one of whom died and was burned by his father slash grandfather. Mm-hmm. And then three of them lived upstairs and three of them were kept in the basement. How do you think the three upstairs felt when they were suddenly like when they like oh, realized wait. yeah cuz there's I no way they knew yeah what was going on downstairs sibling and my mom know. is my grandma I always wonder like of course like you I'm like can you ask this but I'm like were they all like fully mentally capable that's right? what is I'm always really curious incest? about were they like developmentally challenged or cuz straight up dad and daughter I mean, I would feel like the ones that he chose to take upstairs would not have anything wrong with them. Because they went to school? Well, <sighs> and because those are the ones that he's bringing, you know, he's hunchback of Notre Dame-ing the other ones. God. <laughs> I said we weren't going to get heavy in this episode. <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on. Jesus. <laughs> Aw. Uh, let us know. I also, I wanted to take a second to, uh, I said this to you the other day, but of course I'm behind on a bunch of my podcasts, but I've been trying to catch up and I was listening to Southern Spirits. Oh. And of course I love when they talk about us and uh, Mitch talked about the ghost dicks and that he made did, me really happy. And it's not trademarked yet. I like that yet. But Leah said that I made her self-conscious about the way that she says I apologize. And that made me so sad because I love the way she says it and it reminds me of home 
And I would never want to make her feel bad because Leah is so amazing and incredible. So is Mitch. They're both fantastic. But yeah, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to make Leah feel weird. I love the way she says it. I apologize. And they both say it like that. It's so cute. And I'm just like, mm, home. So if you guys haven't listened to Y'all, them, go listen Southern to Southern Spirits Podcast. Check them out. And they're not even the one that we're promoing this week. This we week. always do that. We always talk about them. I know. It's we're not stalking you guys. <laughs> Yet. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So then we are doing a promo this week? We are. We're promoing um, our buddies over at Conspiracy Analysis. Do we want to go ahead and hop right into that? Yeah. Sure, why not? So then in that case, let's play our promo right now from Nick and Shaggy over at Conspiracy Analysis Podcast. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Conspiracy Analysis Podcast. My name is Nick, and I'm joined by my co-host. Shaggy! (laughs) We're going to tell people about how we talk about all things conspiranormally. We talk about all things conspiranormally and paranormally speaking. Correct? I don't know. Well, then we got to add that we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Stitcher Instagram, yeah. email. We're part of a paranormal team. It's on YouTube, paraholics.com. No, absolutely nothing. No, nothing we at like all. To now, and I'll, I'll like say this. this. A lot of people say we do little to no research, but we literally do little to no... We don't do any research. We, we just, have just no record. research assistance. We work full-time. Hey, hey, Go for it, hey, Slow down, slow down. The earth is flat. I mean, you can always read the person. Are you mumbling again? Shut up. <laughs> Uh, email us. But we're not on Facebook. Fuck Facebook. We hate Facebook. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't. Fucking assholes. So yeah, other than that, thank you for listening. Bye. So yeah, check them out. And also like another, always a mad shout out to Shaggy, who's like one of our biggest supporters of the podcast, man. Coming for that number one spot. I know. Uh, Christina, look out. I know. I also want to say this and I didn't. I guess I didn't realize because I like put on podcasts while I'm at work and so I'm listening, but I'm also can get distracted and and not focused. But I was listening and I realized that at least Nick is. I don't know about Shaggy. I have to do some more, but uh, he's fucking in Houston. Is he? Yeah. So shout out H Town. What's (laughs) up? Uh, I'm from Houston, went to UH. Uh, love Houston. So we're just keeping it real Southern here with who we talk to. So if we have any friends out there who have Northern podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Di- no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, we don't discriminate. And Stephanie's like, I don't know who you are. Don't talk to me. Fuck Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? Um, So I told you that you and I have talked about what I'm going to talk about this week, but we've never talked about it on the show, uh, which I'm doing a Philadelphia story, which is the boy in the box. <gasps> I was <laughs> like, that one's face. on my list, so let me just go cross it off right now. <laughs> she's got it, but yes. Yeah, and, yeah, and mine is a Philly story, too. Uh, so at this point, this is... Uh, I the list that I had created. I've now talked about everything on my list, with the exception of this and El Chupacabra. So Ooh. it's probably going to be what I want to talk about in the next episode or two. Is El Chupacabra? Where is he? Oh, maybe I didn't put him on my list. The maybe. boy in the box. Fox I have Chase. A, I have a girl in the box. <laughs> I literally do have a girl in the box story that I'm working on. A girl on in too. the box. Oh yes. man, we should have told this. But girl, we just told a girl in the box. We told. We just told we two told, girls. We in told box. a lot of girls in the box we told stories in over box the last stories. week. <laughs> Um, we sure did. So now is this just one, are we just dealing with one person in a box? This is a single person in a box. Okay. Uh, so this is the did boy. Did he have in, on socks? 
did he have on socks when he was in his box? That's a great question. I know. Were, were there gonna... clocks? How about some rocks? Way to make light of it, Sarah, of a dead child. <laughs> That's what we do. Listen, I know it's all. I know we didn't make light in the last two episodes because the last two episodes I was like, how do you make light of this? This is fucked up. But this is just one kid. <sighs> child death. It's all the time. Hello from the Magic Tavern. Y'all got to check that shit out. We don't have a promo from them. We just They're love so them. That's, oh my God. I love that podcast so much. So, The Boy in the Box. <laughs> Sorry. The Boy in the Box, also known as America's Unknown Child. Um, was found in a cardboard box in the Fox Chase neighborhood here in Philadelphia of what was like a a bassinet box from J.C. Penny. Ugh. I know. I know. Not even the full bassinet, just the box. Just the box that it came in. And I'm like, did he, was it a, bo- a bassinet that was originally for him? And then they're like, just put him in the box. <gasps> there are so many, like, there's so much unknown about this guy. I know it's awful. I'm sorry. So he was an unidentified victim. This case is still open. It was never solved. No one knows even who this little boy was. And was, when was this? This was in 1957. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so um, they're not even exactly sure how old he was. They said he was somewhere between three and seven years old. Um, Because of how badly he was decayed or malnourished? A combination. Yeah. Mostly the malnourished part. Okay. But his body, so he, he, I don't think he was wearing socks because he was found naked. His naked, I'm sorry, his naked, oh. battered body was found in a cardboard box in the Fox Chase neighborhood of Philadelphia oh. um, on February 25th, 1957. He's also known as America's Unknown Child. His identity has never been discovered, and the case remains open to this day. Um, he was born somewhere between 1950 and 1953. So this case is is over 60 years old at this point, um, and it's still open, which I think is weird, because don't you can still close a case even if it's like... I don't know who did it. Isn't there a statute of limitations on that kind of stuff? Not for murder, I don't oh. think. I don't think there is for murder. So he was wrapped in a plaid blanket, and he was found in the woods off of uh, Susquehanna Road, which that's another one of those Philly roads that I don't know if I'm saying it right. right. Like the Schuylkill or Conshohocken or Wissahickon. Those I'm pretty sure I'm saying right. I'm not sure about Susquehanna. I think that's how you say it. So um, his hair had been recently cropped, but they don't know if that was before or after death because he had hair like on him, which I know because I shaved my head and it fucking clings to me. So they don't know if it happened before or after he died, but there were signs of severe malnourishment and he had uh, surgical scars on his ankle and his groin and an L-shaped scar under his chin. Uh, the body was first discovered by a guy who was checking his, <laughs> I want to make sure I get the right animal. Um, I want to say it was muskrats. Yeah, he was, he had muskrat traps, which were illegal. Oh, cool. Um, and he did, he found the body and didn't tell the police right away because he was afraid he would get in trouble for the muskrat traps. He had to go clear out all his muskrat traps right? first. Ugh. Which I'm like, are you serious? Uh, a few days later. A different person found him, a college student, was uh, who saw a rabbit like running through the underbrush and knew that there were animal traps in the area. So he stopped his car to investigate and he found the body. Um, he, too, was also reluctant to have contact with the police, but he did report his find the next day. So even he like not even immediately. Why? He waited Why? until the next day. Who knows? What did he have? Do you have drugs or what? Great question. I don't know. So um, the police. I'm like, you're ready to go out there to save a bunny. 
But you find. But he's like, oh shit, a dead child. I don't. I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I didn't see anything. I didn't see nothing. Right? What a turd. So the dead boy's fingerprints were taken, and police were at first optimistic that he would soon be identified. However, no one ever came forward with any useful information. It attracted a lot of mass, uh, a lot of like um, mass media attention in Philly, uh, in Philly and the Delaware Valley. And the Philadelphia Inquirer pressed four hundred thousand flyers depicting the boy's likeness, which flooded the area and included were included with every gas bill in Philadelphia. Wow, fucking Pico, man! The crime scene was combed over and over again by two hundred and seventy police academy recruits who discovered a man's blue corduroy cap and a child's scarf, and a man's handkerchief with the letter G in the corner. All those clues led absolutely nowhere. The police even went so far as to distribute a post-mortem photograph of the boy fully dressed and in a seated position, as he may have looked in life, in the hopes that it may lead to a clue. Um, Despite the publicity and the sporadic interest throughout the years, the boy's identity is still unknown, and the case remains unsolved to this day. On March 21st, 2016, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released a facial reconstruction of the victim and added him into their database. And in August, oh, wow, this just happened. So in August 2018, um, Barbara Ray Venter, the genetic genealogist who helped identify the Golden State Killer using <gasps> a DNA profiling technique, stated that she was using the same method to try and identify the boy in the box. That I didn't know. That's oh, very well, if new. if she got the Golden State Killer, then... We got to keep tabs on that story because she'll probably get him. She sure did. So there's there are many theories as to like where this kid came from or who he was or what happened. Um, yeah, like what about those surgical scars? But most of them have been dismissed. The two theories that have generated considerable interest among the police and the media um, have been extensively investigated, but still never quite like panned out to anything. So the first theory. Um, was that he was in a foster home. There was a foster home that was about a mile and a half away from the site of where he was found. In 1960, Remington Bristow, an employee of the medical examiner's office, who doggedly pursued the case until his death in 1993, contacted a New Jersey psychic who told him to look for a house that matched the foster home. When the psychic was brought to Philadelphia, she led Bristow directly to the foster home. Upon attending an estate sale at the foster home, Bristow discovered a bassinet similar to to the one sold at J.C. Penney. He also discovered blankets hanging on the clothesline that were similar to the one in which the boy's body had been wrapped. Bristow believed that the boy belonged to the stepdaughter of the man who ran the foster home and that they disposed of his body so the stepdaughter would not be exposed as an unwed mother. He theorized that the boy's death had been an accident. Despite the circumstantial evidence, the police were not able to find any definite links between the boy in the box and the, fa- and the foster family. Did they, do they have a cause of death for him? I didn't see anything about, like, how he died. Yeah. Um, let's see if this is on here. Homicide by blunt force trauma. Ah, okay. Uh, on his head? I believe so. In 1998, Philadelphia Police Lieutenant Tom Augustine, who was in charge of the investigation and several members of the Vidoc Society, which is a group of retired policemen and profilers, uh, interviewed the foster father and the stepdaughter, whom he had married, The interview seemed to confirm that the family was not involved in the murder. The foster home investigation was closed. A DNA test showed that the stepdaughter was not the boy's mother. You are not the child's mother. Oh, thank God. I know. I was going to say they can't see me do the Maury, not the father dance, but. She's doing it. She's doing it. doing it, yeah. 
So the woman, uh, I there was somebody I used to live with who used to call that the Not the Father show. She's like, it's That's time for me to watch yeah. the Not the Father hour. And I was like, all right. Another theory was brought forward in February 2002 by a woman identified only as Martha. Police considered Martha's story to be plausible, but were troubled by her testimony as she had a history of mental illness. M claimed that her abusive mother had purchased, which that's in quotations, the unknown boy whose name was Jonathan from his birth parents in the summer of 1954. Subsequently, the boy was subjected to extreme physical and sexual abuse for two and a half years. One evening at dinner, the boy vomited up his meal of baked beans and was given a severe beating with his head slammed against the floor until he was semi-conscious. He was then given a bath during which he died. These details matched information known only to the police as the coroner had found that the boy's stomach contained the remains of baked beans and that his fingers were water or were water wrinkled. Right. M's mother then cut the boy's distinctive long hair, accounting for the unprofessional haircut, which police noted in their initial investigation, in an effort to conceal his identity. M's mother then forced M to assist her in dumping the body in the Fox Chase area. M went on to say that as they were preparing to remove the boy's body from the trunk of the car, a passing male motorist pulled alongside to require whether they needed help. M was ordered to stand in front of the car's license plate to shield it from view while the mother convinced the would-be Good Samaritan that there was no problem. The man eventually drove off. The story corroborated confidential testimony given by a male witness in 1957 who said that the body had been placed in a box previously discarded at the scene. In spite of the outward plausibility of M's confession, police were unable to verify her story. Neighbors had access to M's house during the stated time period, denied that there had been a young boy living there, and dismissed M's claims as ridiculous. But how'd she know all those details? Other theories include forensic artist Frank Bender uh, developed a theory that the victim may have been raised as a girl. The child's unprofessional haircut, which appears to have been performed in haste, was the basis for this scenario, which I'm like, okay, as well as the appearance of the eyebrows having been styled. Bender later released a sketch of the unidentified child with long hair reflecting the strands found on the body. In 2016, two writers, one from Los Angeles and the other from New Jersey, explained that they believed they had discovered a potential identity from Memphis, Tennessee, and requested that the DNA be compared between the family members and the child. The lead was originally discovered by a Philadelphia man and then developed and presented with the help of the two writers to the Philadelphia Police Department and the Vidoc Society in early 2013. In December 2013, um, Romano, who's one of the one of the writers, became aware of the, the lead and agreed to help the man from Philadelphia to personally obtain the DNA from this particular family member in January 2014, which was qu- sent quickly to the Philadelphia Police Department. Local authorities confirmed that they would investigate the lead, yet they stated that they would need to do more research on the circumstances surrounding the link to Memphis before comparing DNA. In October 2017, the PPD confirmed, though DNA through DNA retrieved by the PPD through the Memphis PD, that the Memphis man and the Fox Chase boy in the box were not related. Mm, he was not the relative. He was not the father. The boy in the box was originally buried in Potter's field, in a potter's field. In 1998, his body was exhumed for the purpose of extracting DNA, because, of course, they didn't do that in the 50s, mm-hmm. which was obtained from enamel on a tooth. Wow. He was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery, which, 
was like, do you know where that is? That's off of Kelly, isn't it? That's Laurel Hill. Oh, you're right. Uh, which was donated a large plot. The coffin, headstone, and funeral service were donated by the son of the man who had buried the boy in 1957. Aww. There was significant public attendance and media coverage at the reburial. The grave has a large headstone bearing the words, America's Unknown Child. City residents keep the grave decorated with flowers and stuffed animals. Aww. So, yeah. The story was profiled in the television series America's Most Wanted on October 3rd, 1998, and again on July 12th, 2008. The television series Cold Case, CSI, and Law & Order SVU have all used fictionalized accounts of the boy in the box case. Reporter Mitch Blatcher of NBC10 Philadelphia aired an investigative piece on NBC10 Investigators on March 2nd, 2016, entitled New Theory on Decades-Old Boy in the Box Cold Case. What was his new theory? I don't know. I didn't go in there. I didn't know oh, all that. All right. Just that there was a new one. That's crazy. So, yeah. You know, a similar story happened in my high school town when I, I was there. Except they ended up identifying him. But they found the body of like a... Oof, I'm probably going to get the details wrong, specifics. But they found the body of like a... um. A, like anywhere between four and eight year old boy severely malnourished with like disabilities mm -hmm. um naked out by the lake that's in my uh jc penny bass in that box wiley texas he wasn't in a box he was just he was just there. there yeah um and they found him and he had been like you know he was malnourished he was beaten and they took it and they didn't know who he was and so it was out for like a three or four days of being like who's this kid no one knows who this is and finally the boy's grandmother came forward and it was really sad but it was like yeah he you know he died it was an abusive situation and his dad was deployed and overseas and had no idea oh man about any of it oof i'm just like oh and I mean, as awful as that is, like, at least there was some closure, yeah. you know, and that they found out who identified. he was. Yeah. I'm like, it's similar in the sense of like similar -ish circumstances, but they found out who this kid was. That's crazy that that's still. And like with all the new technology. Right. That they dug him up and did DNA can't. and like still cannot figure out who the fuck this child was. <sighs> that's crazy, right? It's crazy. Sarah, what are you talking about? Um, my story is Philly based too, All right. um, but mine is a little more of like a, an urban legend, ghostish right. story, I like it. and it's very short. But I uh, found it today when I was doing some research because our past few stories have been really heavy, heavy, and we both moved and had to drag heavy boxes, and it's just been a lot of heavy stuff. Tired of the weight. I'm tired of it, <laughs> to be frank. And so I saw this story, and I was like, ugh. If any ghost would potentially be me or you, this is probably who we would be. So this is the story of the hag of Pine Street in Society <laughs> nice. Hill, Philadelphia. <laughs> nice. So the legend has it that there was this legend old, has it this old crone, this old witch, etc. Lived oh, in that this me. house, right? Lived in this house and would yell at kids and didn't like like couples walking down the street get she off would, like, my lawn well it's philly so it's like get off my stoop right like, we don't have lawns get away from my row home there it is you can't park there didn't you see i put my chair out front oh my <laughs> god 
<laughs> I want to get into that real quick. I'm sorry. So that is a whole. Which, Here it is. This is the hag of Pine Street. Here we go. Oh my God. <laughs> no, parking in Philly, people are such fucking assholes, are assholes about it. I actually just posted two pictures of my Instagram yesterday in the same parking lot of people. Like one person was straight up just parked with the white line down the middle of their fucking car. God, like just like that. not even trying. The other person was just like hovering over the white line, like adjust barely. But I was just like, God, and people here park in the fire lane. It makes me insane. They're parking the fire lane to go to Target to go to the fucking liquor store. There is no emergency that warrants you parking in the fire lane to go to the fucking liquor they store. They love to do that shit over here on Germantown. It makes me crazy. Fire lane and keep the car on. Oh my god! <laughs> but there's a whole thing here where, like, when it snows, right, and people will dig out their their car, right, and then they will leave shit. They'll leave traffic cones if they've got them, but usually it's the lawn chair. chairs, yeah, mm-hmm. like lawn furniture, leaving shit in that spot so that someone won't park where they were parked and it's illegal so illegal it's huge and there's a whole thing with the with the philadelphia police department where they are constantly like that's illegal and if you see it in your neighborhood don't try and move it yourself like call the police because they don't want you to get in a fight over parking and they'll do it because philadelphians are fucking crazy they'll fight Welcome over anything seriously so they're so they're just like they're like if that happens like don't do it so the thing that makes me laugh the most, though, is, like, whoever works the Philadelphia Facebook page, like, deserves a fucking award. They need a pay raise because they're hilarious. You need to check them out once winter hits because, yeah, that's their best material. But they had this GIF posted where they were telling people, like, that it's illegal for them to put shit in their parking spaces. And they posted this GIF where it's, like, Drake doing that dance from the Hotline Bling video where he's, like, swiping his hands, you know, like, as if he had money. He's making it rain. But he's, like, throwing out fucking traffic cones. <laughs> It's like it was just so funny. Like, oh my god, you guys! Like, it's probably like a you have to be here thing. But like, people are crazy here about their fucking parking. They get so mad about it. They get like they get scary. You guys. They also put that shit out even when it's not snowing. Oh yeah, because they don't want to lose the spot in front of their house. This is my fucking don't fucking park here. Yo, that's my spot, man. You can't fucking move my chair out of my spot. Listen, yes. Listen, yes. That's my John. I said it. My asshole daughter Kelly. (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, that's Aunt Mary Pat. That's a, yeah. I was gonna say I don't know if you I know do. about Aunt Mary Pat. Okay, y'all Google Aunt Mary Pat. It's fantastic. She's she's amazing. But anyway, um, Sarah, please continue. Back to the Hag of Pine Street, <laughs> who um, puts fucking shit in her parking spot so people won't park there. <laughs> yeah, she probably did. Um, but the story is, yeah, that she was just a she was a grumpy old crone and witch and was known for like. I think she had a porch and like banging her cane outside and like the kids like, hey, kids, knock it. Get off my lawn. Get out of here here with your hands holding. Disgraceful. Who knows? But she was just unhappy. And um, it says that she would scream and wave her cane at them as they passed by. And when... I like this story. Right. I'm just like, I just love it because I'm just like, yeah. And if there's ever a ghost that's Philly, this is it. Get off my John. Get off my John. Uh, John, for those of you who don't live here, that's not J-O-H-N. That's J-A-W-N. Which and no is, one really knows what it means. I, I understand it completely. I think it just means whatever you it's want a noun. it to mean. It's correct. It's, it's a noun. The reason it's not that weird to me is because of my last, when I worked at Waffles and Dingus in New York, it's the same thing as Dingus. So I'm just like, I totally understand because we use Dingus for everything when I live there. But you you can use it for any noun, any person, place, or thing. This John, that John, it could be a person, it could be a sandwich. Oh my God, that John was so good. Oh my God, that John was so sexy. 
oh my god did you see that john like it can be any noun but it is a philadelphia specific word it doesn't mean anything anywhere else and i have a shirt so wawa is a big thing here and i have a shirt that i bought here in philly and it's the wawa logo but instead of wawa it says john and philly people love this shirt they're always like oh that sh- i like that john i like that john and i'm like i know but yeah so she's like get off my john she actually coined the phrase she was the first one she was the first one <laughs> Um, so when she finally died, it said that her spirit remained around to continue tormenting the Of course living. it did. Her spirit, John. And that as you walked by, you could see her glaring out the windows of her house watching you. And that, you know, if you were kids or whatever, she would, glaring you could hear her like smacking you. her cane and like yelling. Uh, it said that screaming and wailing could be heard from the house. And occasionally, her apparition would appear outside to chase children and happy couples down yes. the street. Yes. So you, you, can this you imagine? totally me. A fucking, and I'm just picturing, too, like the screaming banshee from Cell Block 12, just like going after some kids with a cane waved, just like, and ah! then immediately turning around and, and coming then back. turning around and leaving. Like, once you got like two blocks away from her house, she's like, ah, I can't go any further. Like, that's fine. You're gone. You're out of here enough. And then I also like the idea of like a happy couple walking and then both of them turning and looking over to the house and then just seeing like this old lady's face just, just like watching them. I'm disappointed in you and your choices. Just like angry. I just think that's fantastic. Uh, and her house, the house apparently went unoccupied for many years after she died due to all the frequent activity, the noises, the banging, sure. the old apparition chasing kids down the street. Shutting um, the bathroom door upstairs. Girl, you never know. Don't don't take her parking spot. <laughs> Apparently, the legend ends, however, when a new owner named Betsy Bassett supposedly banished her unwelcome spirit Get with it, the bitch. help of a voodoo priest. She burned that sage, John. Right. She was like, get out of my house. <laughs> I heard this sage, John's going to help with this spirit, John, so... Get that old John out my house. Right. Get that John out my John. But the legend, of course, fails to mention which house exactly it is that she haunted. Just some house on Pine gone. Street. It's just some house on Pine Street. And uh, there used to be an old hag there who haunted kids and happy couples and yell at them and wave her cane. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I think I could handle that kind of a ghost where you're just like, all right. Oh, I was listening to this one podcast and they asked a question and they said, what is scarier, a little kid ghost or an old person ghost? Little kid ghost. See, I think that too at first. But my other first inclination was like, an old person ghost is also terrifying. And I just imagine too, like an old person ghost showing up, not knowing where they are, farting. <laughs> and just being like, annoyed. you're just like, oh my God, get the fuck out. I get out. The same and thing about a child like, ghost. Who are you? Knocking your shit over on accident because they're cane. I'm like, that's scary. Little kid ghosts are, yeah, they're really creepy. But I, I think little kid like, ghosts because I can't help me. but be like, well, it's a little kid ghost, which means it's a dead little kid. Where I'm like, dead old people, I'm like, you're supposed to die when you're old. Dead little kid is like the double of like, it's a ghost and also it's a ghost of someone who died as a child. It's that or it's a demon. Typically, demons demons like do to, like to come to be like do like to appear as children yep. for your sympathy. Yep, to get you to accept them and things like that. I think it's also because I've always had a fascination with like evil children, like in movies and stuff, like The Bad Seed. Mm. Um, 
where that's from like the 50s where a girl um like you could tell like she's just off and like the only person who doesn't like her is like the gardener because she's like a goody two-shoes but like the big reveal at the end of the movie is that she killed this other kid like she beat him to death with her tap shoes oh my god and she's like and i hit him again oh my god it's so good but anyway so i've always been obsessed with like evil kids like the good son with macaulay culkin have you ever seen that one Ooh, it's him and Elijah Wood. And it was like at the peak of of Macaulay Culkin's like career when he was like known for being like America's golden boy. To like spoiler alert, you guys, you should still watch this movie, even me telling you the plot. This is the thing we haven't done in a minute. Um, Stephanie describing a movie to me that I have not seen. You haven't seen. <laughs> so The Good Son, right? Um, it's it's Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood is the main character, right? Um, and the very beginning of the movie, like his mom has just died. And his dad basically is like, I'm in no position to like take care of you right now and sends him to live with like his cousin and like his aunt and his uncle. Um, and his cousin is Macaulay Culkin. And they're like fast friends. They're like the same age. They're buddies. They do everything together. But Macaulay Culkin turns out is really fucked up. And no one believes Elijah Wood because they're all like, your mom just died. You're traumatized. And he like the fucking classic signs of a serial killer fucking shoots a nail gun at a dog and like kills a dog and there's a part where he's ice skating with his sister and like throws his sister on the thin ice so that she goes under and like almost dies and elijah wood keeps being like macaulay colgan is evil macaulay colgan is evil and everybody's like calm down we get it your mom just died and you're like really sad and macaulay colgan's mom talks about how like they used to have another kid who was like a baby Right. And Elijah Wood is like, oh, he killed that baby. And she's like, why would you say that about my son? And he's like, because your son is scary. And of course, she doesn't want to believe it because it's her own son. But then like she kind of like there gets to a point where like she just has to like realize it. And this is the climax of the movie. Everybody is like they're on a cliff and Macaulay Culkin like goes to like shove. I can't remember if it's his mom or Elijah Wood. I think it's his mom. But the way they fall is like his mom is on the side of the cliff and she's got one kid on each arm and of course he's like mommy like like trying to get her to save him and she just sobs and drops macaulay culkin and saves elijah wood and you're like you made the right choice bitch like she just knew you know she just fucking knew that her son was like evil love that if you've ever seen the movie orphan orphan is really good um you know the premise behind that i was gonna say but seen it but but spoiler alert (laughs) she's not actually a child fucking grown-ass adult she's a grown-ass woman who like has been posing as a child and just being adopted multiple times because that's a thing but i love evil kid movies like i've there there are things that will always get me interested and like evil kids will always get me um evil clergy will always get me i love that like that's really good probably why i love season two of american horror story so much because i'm like oh my god there's like a possessed nun and then there's like the priest who he's not possessed he's just awful and then there's like one episode with an evil kid so i'm just like oh it's got all the things i like like right oh my gosh so good so i think to me like that's what makes the child ghost scarier is i'm just like i think evil children in general is like what do you do I think it terrifies me because I think about if you like, what do you do? Like if you're the parent of an evil kid, like what can you even do? Have you seen the it's a documentary, but it's about like this one little girl. Um, and it's it's something called something of like the evil children. Is it the girl who talked about how she wanted to kill her parents? Yeah. Kill her parents and her brother. Yep. And they had to take her away to oh, yeah. like horse camp. Horse camp. <laughs> That's basically what <laughs> Oh my god. It's a horse camp for the evil ones, like the evil little ones. 
but you know what I mean. Like it's a therapy camp and taking care of horses helps you. I don't know. That's um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, that brings up uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Are you familiar with that? Slightly, but I haven't seen it. So it's a it was a book and then it was turned into a movie. And basically it follows the mom of somebody who had an evil kid. And she she knew there was something wrong with him, but no one ever listened, including the father, where he was like, he's just a boy. And ultimately, like, it takes place after the fact, but you learn, like, through the, the thing, like, what happened. But he committed, like, a a mass school shooting, but it wasn't with a gun. It was with a bow and arrow. Like, oh. he, like, bow and arrowed a bunch of children at his school. And he killed his father and his sister. But the part I remember in the movie, like, so much of it is so uncomfortable. But that's what terrifies me. I'm like, what can you even do as a parent? Because it's your child and your instinct is, like, you want to do everything that you can to protect your child. But when you know that your child is evil and your child is going to hurt other people, like, what do you do? To me, that's the scariest thing. Like, that's the most terrifying thing. Like, losing a child is already awful, but your child being responsible for other people losing their child, like like that's heavy but the part I remember that made me like super uncomfortable in the movie is like so Tilda Swinton is the mom in the movie and there's a part where she's like grocery shopping and she's like pushing her cart along her cart along and she sees a parent of like one of the kids that her son killed and she like leaves the cart and like goes to another aisle is just trying really hard like not to be seen not to be seen not to be seen and then she like comes back and the woman is gone so she like takes her cart and she like walks away and she goes to check out and she's like the woman's ringing up her groceries and she picks up the eggs and the eggs are leaking and she opens it and every egg in the carton is smashed and she looks up and the mom is just there like staring at her and I'm like oh and she's like she's like oh you need another carton of eggs and Tilda Swinton's like I'll just take it I'll take it like she like she just wants to go and you're just like oh, 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 oh. like it's just so uncomfortable and I'm just like this poor woman I'm so oh. and of course like the you know, she like everything for her is terrible. But like, how about the parents of the people who lost like the people yeah. who lost their kids? Like, it's just so awful in every like every perspective. So, oh, my God. Evil children. They'll get me every time. Oof. Every time. Evil anything, though. Sure. I'm just like, it's fair. Old people. Evil old people is scary, too. <laughs> evil people in general are terrifying. People are so much scarier than any other thing. Right? Yeah, I'm just I'm like, because like, only people can, like, think of the most awful things to do to each other. The most dangerous game is people. Do you ever know, do you know about the most dangerous game? No, but this I know that is, I was like, this is how we're people. This is how we're filling up time in this episode. So, I believe it's a short story called The Most Dangerous Game. But it's about, like, this guy who's a hunter. He has all these people over. Um, and he's throwing this big party about game like you know that you hunt right Mm -hmm. and how he wants he's been able to kill yeah like he's been able to hunt lions and you know rhinos he's been able to hunt every animal in the world he wants to hunt the most dangerous game which is man right exactly so he brought the people there to like he wants to hunt a person i do know that one right that i am familiar with (laughs) the most dangerous game well, I'm like, I always think when it's just like, I always think hell is other people, like mm. no exit or you, you just, have you read that play? I haven't. Tell me. You have, oh, I feel like whenever I talk about it, theater people are always just like, yeah, we know no exit. It's fantastic. But it, it is uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. 
Uh, <laughs> it was like, hopefully I pronounced it right. Who knows? Is that the guy who did Waiting for a Good Time? No. No. That's Beckett. Is it? Beckett is also in game, right? Beckett is in game. I know in game. Godot is Beckett. You're right. Oh, yay. I was right. Look at that. Theater degree coming in handy. Dr. Shimko would be proud. But No Exit is about these three people. And it's you're initially introduced seeing this guy get escorted into this room by like a bellhop. And there's two other ladies in that room. Mm -hmm. And the door gets locked. And they realize that like... If I'm not mistaken, they think they're in some form of like purgatory. They know that they're dead, but they are, they're just sent to this room to wait. And um, they start talking and they start realizing like each one of them does every little thing that gets on the other one's nerves. Uh. Towards the end of the play, they realize that they're in hell and they're in hell stuck in this room with just the two, like just the three of them. And that's when that's like the big line is uh, hell is other people. Right. And yeah, and it's just like you watch it and you're just like, oh, oh, fuck. Oh, that's awful. Oh, no, that's, yep, nope. People are awful and you guys are going to drive each other crazy. People are awful. Uh, it's a fan. I have it if you ever want to read it. It's pretty great. There's a few good monologues in there too because it's two ladies and a guy. Yeah. Let's, let's get Mary Angela to direct it, me and you and Jim. <laughs> Mary Angela, I know you're listening to this episode. Let's do No Exit starring me and Sarah and Jim. I think she's read it. I bet she's read it. I'm sure she, she has. She's the but theater But first queen. we're having to do Mary Gerard. Yeah, I know. We talked about that one on the podcast first. So, and that one's starting to begin to maybe potentially come to life. So now we've talked about the second one. Now that's getting vision boarded, projected out there. So Mary Gerard and then no exit. <laughs> so Mary Gerard and then we're doing no exit. And yeah. And then we'll go from there. Someday we're going to do five women wearing the same dress. Yeah. By Alan Ball. Or maybe we'll even find a better all-ladies one that doesn't have to have some weird uh, PC stuff. It's out. just right. I'm like, it's just very David, which I'm like, even though Alan Ball himself is gay, there's a lot of just, there's a lot there's of, of anti-gay language in that play that made me uncomfortable when I was reading it. I was so excited to read it because I was like, oh my God, I love Alan Ball, yeah. creator of Six Feet Under, of True Blood. He wrote American Beauty. Um, so I was like, yes, all over it. And then I read it and it's from like 1999, which doesn't sound <laughs> like that's 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, doesn't like, it doesn't sound, sound but it doesn't sound like it's so long ago that it would be that offensive. And then I was reading through it and I was like, oh, we'd have to, we'll work around this. <laughs> make it work. We'll make it, make work. it work. Make it work. Make it work. Make it work. So. So yeah, hopefully we all have some big theater things coming up. I'm in a projecting. production of Once More with Feeling, which is the Buffy musical that's going to be happening in October. You are. And I'm doing a one night only True Tales from the Tombs at Laurel Hill Cemetery mm. in October. I'm also doing a one night only Rocky Horror thing that's mm. like an all drag thing where I'm playing uh, Eddie and Dr. Scott. No. But it's like a lip syncing thing. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. which I get it. It's because I'm working with a bunch of drag queens and that's what drag queens do most of the time. But I'm like, mm, I got some pipes. I like to I use them. We we're gonna do it. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. It's it's still gonna be a lot of fun. So if you're in Philly, come see the things that we're doing. If you're not in Philly, 
you can still come to Philly and come see the things. We'll make something happen. Reach out to us. So, as always, guys, you can, if you want a sticker, right, because we're giving away stickers, all you have to do is review us on iTunes or Facebook. It'd be awesome if you did both. But, you know, one or the other, send us a screenshot, either through our DMs on Instagram or on Facebook. On Instagram, of course, we are Dead Time Stories with a Z, all one word, or by emailing us at deadtimestories with a Z at gmail.com. And of course, we always love hearing from you guys, whether it's just, you know, we like to hear that you like us, but we love hearing stories from you guys. We shared one a couple weeks ago. It was really fun. Stories are great. So ghost sticks are great. (laughs) Christina, because the way you, you know, you lose tone in text message. Christina had texted me that she was Erica, our listener. And for a second, like, I didn't realize she was joking, right? And I was, like, trying to, you know that meme of the person with, like, all the numbers, like, around them? And And I was just like, did Christina create this, like, fake profile and this fake life? Did she stalk somebody and take all their pictures? Right, exactly. Like, I was really freaking out. And I was like, she's joking. Like, you can't understand the tone in her voice because it's it's a text. But, like, for a good, like, minute, I was just like, oh, my God. God, like I was like, I love you, but like that's fucked up. Like, I love that you thought that she would go through the time and effort. To oh, do only that. Like, We're just like Christina, because I was like, really? Um, but that's my friend Christina at K Stina Five on Instagram. Our number one fan. Number one fan. She does um, lots of bullet journal stuff, and it's really cool. And she's awesome, and I love her. Um, but anyway, Erica stickers. Is also awesome. Thank you for sending us. Yes, your story. Erica, who is a, a real person, person <laughs> who is not Christina. She's lovely. I've emailed trying her back to and trying to make us feel like we have more fans. She's real. She's real. So it was really awesome getting a story from a listener, and we love that. We would love to hear more. So of course, you can reach out to us, email us, and if you're not already subscribed, what are you doing? Subscribe. We are anywhere that you find your podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We are on, what am I missing? SoundCloud. SoundCloud, yeah. <laughs> I was like, where am I forgetting? The SoundCloud. SoundCloud, right. Google Play. We're on all the things. So subscribe, rate and review. Tell all your friends and tell your friends to subscribe and rate and review. Yeah, if you have those friends who are like, oh my God, do you listen to My Favorite Murder? You can be like, no, do you listen to Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories, Stories, bitch? Sick you don't have to call her a bitch. She's your murder. friend. She's your friend. She's your friend. Unless she's being a bitch. Or yeah. you guys use that terminology in an endearing way. Then, then, then yeah, throw that That's out fine. there. Like, do you listen? Bitch. Bitch. Bitch, you should listen. So, yeah. So, thank you so much for listening. I'm, I'm Stephanie. Stephanie. You bitch. <laughs> I, I'm that Stephanie. Is, that's a good use of calling someone a bitch right there. That was your example. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. I'm Stephanie, you bitch. (laughs) I'm going to steal your identity. I'm going to make a whole fake profile.